In brightest day, in blackest night, all other podcasts tremble in fright. Losers cower before the power. Oranges lust and blues you can trust. Indigos feel and white ones heal. Yellow scare and green ones dare. That sapphire love and black hands glove will rock your foundation without hesitation. Chad and Mars face evil's might. Respect their power for they'll make you see the light. Hi everybody, I'm Chad Bogleman. I'm Mark Marble. And this is the Lantern Cast. Episode 264. That's right. We are talking Green Lanterns uh, number 8 and number 9, published in the month of October. But before we get into it, Mark and I just wanted to kind of talk to you guys just real quick about uh, the show. Uh, no, it's not going it's away. It's over. It's <laughs> over. <laughs> uh, no, I'm not going away because I haven't been able to do as much as I thought. No, we're not canceling the show. No, we're not doing a major shakeup or anything. We just wanted to let you know we're not ignorant. We're not dumb. Uh, we, we know you know that uh, we haven't been releasing quite as frequently or as um, – Let's, uh, what's the word? What's the word I'm looking for? Regularly. As a, there you go. As a, as regularly as we used to, um, and we know you notice, but instead of us popping on the social medias from time to time and going, oh hey guys, sorry, we're this episode's going to be a day late, or this episode's going to be two days late, or this one you're going to get on Monday instead of Thursday, or anything like that, instead of apologizing all the time. We're just gonna update you that uh, you're probably gonna get. Uh, we're, we're gonna be we're, we're shooting for one, once a week, okay? Uh, obviously, as much as we can, we want to release an episode on a semi-consistent schedule, but that's not always gonna be the case. Uh, that's just not not feasible at the moment. So, probably shoot for uh, at least three episodes a month, and not obviously, you know. Day one, two, and three of the month, <laughs> new episodes of the Lantern Cast, and you are done for the, <laughs> till the next month. Uh, High five! <laughs> <laughs> but uh, you know, we 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 have plans for things other than regular reviews. We will get to them at some point. They are coming, and they are planned. <laughs> but it's just a matter of uh, sitting down and recording and everything. My Action Comics Weekly podcast is actually on a hiatus, so it's th- that's not the cause. Uh, but, um, you know, there's, uh, there's other things in the world for us to, uh, focus on and, uh, and, uh, and take care of my job in particular is a little, uh, hectic. Fl- yeah, a little hectic. Uh, and I kind of knew it would be going into the uh, end of the year slash holiday season. Uh, that's when people like to buy cars the most. And, uh, when you work in a commission based job, I'm sure nobody out there could fault me for saying, Hey, Mark, I might need to postpone recording tonight because I have a customer coming in to buy a car. You know, <laughs> it'd be like you guys saying, Hey, guys, I'm going to just pass up on this day's worth of pay. <laughs> 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 uh, 
for something I do for free. <laughs> um, Sounds so, logical. Yeah, exactly. Um, so uh, I still love doing the show. Mark still likes doing the show. We kind of like each other, I guess. <laughs> how, how come you love doing the show, but I like doing the show? Didn't you just say that? <laughs> Did I, I That's true. <laughs> That's true. I didn't even think about that. There's a nice little Freudian thing there. No, I don't think think it was. I think it was just more of my writer side trying not to use the same word (laughs) in a paragraph. Like, you know, when you overuse a word and you're like, man, maybe I should rip open the thesaurus and find something else. (laughs) Okay, but those words don't mean the same. (laughs) Speaking of, where the hell is my thesaurus? I don't think my bookshelf is not very well organized. Uh Sorry, my OCD is now kicking in. Oh, it's, but uh, yeah, we, uh, we 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 will continue doing the show, uh, producing quality content outside of just regular issue reviews. Um, Mark and I do our own things, podcasting wise. I do my Action Comics Weekly show, which, like I said, is on a hiatus while I uh, kind of build up my backlog of recording again. Mark does. Uh, well, Mark, you tell him what you do okay, because the you and that podcast. <laughs> I, I know what it is. I'm I just know, giving you an I know. opportunity. You were, you, were, you, were, you were trying not to monopolize the, the conversation. I understand. That, that's yeah, right. The greatest toy podcast that Jim Ford and I do. So that is, that is, yeah, so far that has been a, other than like one week, I think, <laughs> we've been pretty regular at recording on every, you know, every Wednesday we, we record that show. So, yes, we, Chad and I both have different, you know, we have other other podcasts besides this one which should you know still i believe is our is our main focus but Mm -hmm. we have you know we do have real life things that come into play and then it's a matter of recording it's a matter of editing it's a matter of so yeah so like chad said we we do have plans for non-reg you know on the bright side at least you're getting pretty quick turnaround on the issue reviews (laughs) Mm -hmm. so that's a positive i mean we've been really really good at doing that you know and we're going to continue that. So you're definitely going to be up to date on the books. So that's that. That's a plus. And we're also going. And we do have a at least one non-issue review episode that we've been talking about for a while. That would probably ideally we're gonna we're gonna you know put the rest in the next week or week or so anyway. So that'll be coming out. Jim and I should have a pre-birth episode coming out soon too. So that. So. Uh, and I'm working on the script, kind of for another. Uh, I say script. Uh, the plans, the research for another Green Lantern, Green Arrow episode. <clears throat> so there's lots of stuff on the plate. It's just a matter of, you know, sometimes it's not as easy getting to it as we'd like. But we figured we would address it because, like Chad said, you you probably have noticed that it's not been quite as regular. We've been a regular lately, and you've noticed. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> but hopefully we're, we're, we're getting better now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, and, and part of the reason I wanted to address it is because I, while I do this show and the Action Comics Weekly show and stuff like that, I still listen to other podcasts, and I actually stopped listening to uh, Comic Geek Speak uh, because they weren't releasing content at all for like a large chunk of time. They've picked it up back again and everything, uh, but I just haven't, because in the meantime, I've gone and found a bunch of other podcasts. So I'm like, oh, I don't have time to listen to CGS anymore. But uh, I understand how big of a role consistency plays in people listening to a podcast. Um, and I definitely wanted to at least have us address it because 
you know, like like we said, you, you, we know you're not stupid. <laughs> you're you're out there listening, and as much as we do this of our own accord for free, you also listen to it in your own time. <laughs> so I don't know. I just figured it was something we should talk about at the very least. Um, but we love doing the show. We're going to keep doing the show, uh, and we're going to try and be as consistent as possible. Just know that it's not always going to work out that way. That is true, and 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 we can't and we can't blame it on the material either. It's not like the material is killing us to the point already where we're where we we are purposely avoiding this. Because <laughs> Lord knows, if we actually get to that point, that's going to be a problem. Since at least two episodes a month right now are being dedicated to the issue reviews. <laughs> that, that that's kind of that'll kind of be like a litmus test or a precursor right there. If we start wrapping all the interview all the issue reviews back into one episode, then you can probably kind of get an idea that we're. You know, cause if that happens consistently, that's probably going to be a clue that we're starting to lose a lot of interest in the material. <laughs> but that has not really uh, man- manifested itself yet. Uh, but we're here for now, uh, and you're listening. <laughs> so, for, so, and you're listening to us. So uh, let's uh, let's move on. We're going to talk some uh, some Green Lantern. Mark, you uh, you picked uh, you picked this one to uh, to cover first. So. You, you want to take the number eight? Now, did that, now, continuing our weekly discussion, did that surprise you that I picked this issue? Um, nah, not, not really, but a little bit considering, well, there's two different reveals. And, and let's be fair, before we even, we haven't even recapped it yet, but the these two comics are very different oh, yes. comics in tone and... What's revealed and how and why and all this stuff. I personally enjoy number nine a little more than I enjoy number eight, but it's not a significant thing I enjoy. Like it's not like leaps and bounds. I enjoy one over the other. Um, there are things about eight I really like, and I'm sure <laughs> I'm sure you know what they are. Um, <laughs> but uh, there are things about number nine that I really, really, really enjoyed, uh, and we'll get to that obviously. But I. Yes, it, it, the long answer is, or the short answer is, yes and no. I I do get why you picked it, but I also, eh, you know, I could see why you would go with number nine too if you were to pick that one. Number nine, number nine, as we get to the, the yeah, the big reveal at the end is cool and as it will lead itself to to jokes, I'm sure. <laughs> like I alluded to it too, and I talked to Chad about about <laughs> who it looks like at the end anyway before you are told who it is. Uh, but it was weird just because I just thought that issue might be a little harder to recap for me with going into a lot of detail with it because it's, it's weird having a, a Green Lantern issue about somebody who's really not relevant up till now in, in Green Lantern mythology. <laughs> so that, but it's, but it was an, in, but it was an interesting issue from the, like the anti-Hal Jordan kind of, almost like a powering perspective, you know, kind of like how he's the ap- opposite of Hal. So that was cool. But yeah, I, not that it's, not that eight is is great, but there's enough things in eight. I thought I just thought eight would lead to a better review, and sometimes that's that's sometimes that's the only reason why I picked the issue that I picked for me. So, uh, with that long preamble, let's get, so we Green Lanterns eight, which is Family Matters Part Two, and let's do the creative team as I just flipped right past it. So the, the actual issue title inside is uh, All Hallows Eve. Sam Humphreys, writer, Ed Bennis, artist, Blonde Colors, Dave Sharp, letters, Robson Roca, Joe Prado, and and what art? Alex Sinclair, cover, or they all did the cover, excuse me. Uh, Manuel Lupacino and 
Michael Atea, Variant Cover, Angie Marino, Assistant Editor, Mike Cotton, the Editor, and Eddie Braganza, the constant remains group editor. So the issue kind of begins lurking in the woods when we have a, a few little uh, dominators there. I like the little I like the little flashlights. That's kind of cool. Uh, looks like there's two characters like checking out the woods, and then we find out they're they're just very very happy dominators. <laughs> We're here to try to get the Phantom Ring, of course. The worst kept secret in the galaxy. That's right. Apparently, it, <laughs> I, I know. It, it's, it, apparently, it is the worst kept secret in the galaxy. It, it's like he hands out flyers wherever he goes. <laughs> or like a, instead of a trail of breadcrumbs, it's like a te- it's like a trail of pictures. Have you seen this ring? The fly out of his, the ring box everywhere he goes. So we, the actual big, we go back now. The, the most of the issue take, just takes place with uh, Simon and Jessica in Dearborn, Michigan. It's 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 Halloween. They're taking uh, what Fareed, <laughs> who's dressed as the Flash, which is kind of funny for multiple reasons, including Jessica's little crush on the Flash, that they're taking Fareed trick-or-treating, which is kind of convenient for the Green Lanterns get to, since they get to stay in uniform. <laughs> we're, we're, we're just dressed up as Green Lanterns. So it serves two purposes. They're taking Fareed trick-or-treating while, of course, they're trying to find Raimi since Raimi's been missing in action since he kind of cut out once he realized that the Dominators were were on their way. Uh, so, the, so, the, so while this is going on, the Dominators actually kind of spot Simon and Jessica and they realize they're actual Green Lanterns and they figure, hey, all we have to do is trail these guys and they're going to lead us directly to Raimi. So, so the Dominators are not so dumb. <laughs> On this level, anyway, they kind of, they kind of, they kind of got it figured out. Simon and Jessica try to, you know, use because because Raimi's so short and everything, they, they try to make it sound like oh, he's just kind of like a, kind of like just somebody dressed up in the trick or treating in a costume, and he cause like, hey, have you have you seen this guy? You know, have you, you know, he's our friend. He's he's convinced his costume is very convincing, which is kind of weird because he uses his ring to make a construct, which is kind of. If you're trying to blend in at that moment, <laughs> or try, any any kind of attempt to blend in and make people think you're just not in costume, kind of gets shot as soon as you use your ring to create a construct. Uh, but I, I like when the kids kind of mock them. It's like, eh, call us when the real Green Lantern show up. <laughs> that I like. Uh, um, we find Raimi. He's a he's in a clock tower, right? Oh. Yeah. He's in a clock tower. He's kind of like kind of like. Pseudo meditating and just kind of like pseudo hiding too, like under under like a bench there. He opens up he opens up the ring box and then we get a flashback to Oa when he first was working on and had finished his phantom ring and he kind of revealed it to the guardians and we kind of get the first taste of how the guardians reacted. You know why they were so shocked and we have actually Raimi for the first time almost like kind of acknowledging his mistake by saying he was sorry. At this point, his you know his you know. His thinking out loud gets interrupted by Jessica and Simon, who 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 found him, and it's like you know we, we've been looking all over for you. What's going on? It's like you you know, and and Raimi kind of like freaks out because of the fact that he realizes he realizes that hey you know the reason I, I didn't want I've been trying to block you guys so you couldn't find me was because the Dominators were going to do exactly what they eventually did, which was which was track you guys to find me. So. So Raimi, you know, shoots out of there before you know before the Dominators can show up. Uh, they eventually they catch up to they catch up to Raimi. Simon of all people tries throws out this quote this uh, you know this uh, bit of scripture 
basically from the from the book of Oa, which really seems out of character for Simon to begin with. Like, how would he really even know this? Uh, somehow, basically, some how an officer of the Green Lantern Corps can temporarily disobey, uh, you know, uh, Guardian's commands or orders that basically he needs to, he or she needs to, in order to uh, protect their sector, because. Raimi kind of pulled the, hey, I'm a guardian, you're the Green Lanterns, you basically work for me, I'm telling you to leave me alone, and that's when Simon throws out this crap at him. <laughs> Raimi, of course, counters it by going, hey, don't quote the book of O at me, buddy, I was there when it was written. <laughs> and it's like, oh, whatever, you know, that, that ring has got you scared enough to run away, it's like, come on, you know, you know, I'm going to put you in protective custody, we're going to take care of you, you know, you know, it's Jessica chimes in, it's, it's our responsibility, you know, to take care of you. This is our sector. <laughs> Raimi again points out, hey, I want, I want Hal Jordan, you know. <laughs> the only person who I'm really going to trust here is Hal Jordan. And Jessica points out, hey, we tried trying to we tried to call Hal, and we didn't get him. You know, so Raimi kind of rips into Jessica saying, what kind of Green Lantern are you? You can't even create a construct? Yes. <laughs> and you, Simon Bass, you, you're just a terrible Green Lantern. <laughs> It's like, especially because you carry a gun and things like that, but I just like the way he segues into that. You can't make a construct, and you, you just suck. <laughs> that, that's, that's, that's really cool. At that moment, the, at that moment, the the Dominators attack, and they blast Raimi, and Raimi and his ring, ring box are separated from each other. The Dominators just about, they pick up the ring case, the ring box, they're about, they open it, they're about to claim the ring. When Simon creates a construct to take, you know, that closes the ring box, pulls it back, and he, and Simon kind of goes like, "Hey, you better listen to that guardian. You know, this is Earth, and Earth is Green Lantern country." Like, nice posturing, Simon. Uh, you know, the kids that were kind of mocking Simon and Jessica for being lame Green Lanterns are kind of watching all this, and they're watching Simon. And, you know, they're watching, you know, Simon cover the ring. And protect the ring, and then all of a sudden Jessica creates this energy swirling construct, which you know lifts the Dominators up in the air. You know, if we get, and and just like that, boom! You know, the the Dominators are defeated. <laughs> wow, that was a tough fight. Uh, Simon contacts you know Cyborg, you know, at the Justice League, basically to try to to deal with the alien cleanup, as he called it. So they're basically going to contain contain them. Sam, you know, I almost called him Sam Raimi for a second. <laughs> I don't know why. Raimi, you know, Raimi just says, you know, the Phantom Ring is almost as old as the Green Lantern Ring, but it has one major difference. One would call it an innovation. Others would call it a disaster. That, you know, the Phantom Ring, pretty much, unlike anybody, any other ring, you know, it can, anyone, anyone can pick it up. Anyone can use it. It doesn't need, you know, it doesn't need to basically select its bearer. We get a nice little flashback to Oa when, you know, the Guardians are pr pretty much presiding over, like, almost like a, a, a tribunal with Raimi going, you know, it was such, it was a mistake for us to allow you such leniency to create, you know, to work in private, and you are hereby excommunicated, and, you know, so Raimi's shocked by this, and it's like, you know, listen, you know, you, 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 you endanger the cosmos, now you must protect it, so essentially, the Phantom Ring has to be destroyed, and until you can figure out a way to destroy it, you are exiled. So now we also, so, so now we find out after that, Basically, <laughs> Raimi's been trying to destroy this ring, you know, like a thousand ways to Sunday over, over like, literally billions of years about, and he hasn't been able to do anything yet. That, that Not only is this ring able to be used by everybody, <laughs> he, he can't destroy it. So, at this point, you know, Raimi's really showing remorse, and, you know, he's... Jessica's trying to convince Raimi, hey, you should stick with us. We should all work together. You know, the, the, the kids that were watching all this kind of r r 
step in and go, yeah, look, look what they did. You, you definitely should join them or listen to them. It's like, it was badass. Supposedly that makes a big deal to Raimi, and she goes, and he goes, yeah, especially since I've been alone for so long, it'd be nice to not be alone, and the ring is a little less heavier to, to, to carry today than any other day. And, uh, <clears throat> so, a little, little joke when Simon says, I'm glad you didn't make me force you to take you into, you know, to, uh, protective custody, and Raimi goes, like, like you could have if you wanted to, Lantern. Back at, at Simon's house, they kind of, like, well, they're kind of cheating with the trick-or-treating as other people come to their house because they're, like, they're scaring them to get the candy that I guess Fareed never was able to get as much of before. Simon's talking to uh, Raimi about, well, you know, we're going to keep the Phantom Ring safe together no matter who comes for it. And just at that point, we see somebody somebody driving in a van with a lot of weapons going, you know, he- you know, it's like, uh, according to the news, there's two Green Lanterns in Dearborn, Michigan. It's like, I've been ready, f- I've been preparing for this moment since my, you know, my whole life. I deserve a powering in the Phantom Ring. It should be mine, and no one will stop me from taking it. Next issue, the Phantom Lantern. Oh, not really, actually, but the prologue, too. <laughs> so, in this flashback to Oa, uh, one of the things that uh, Raimi says during his uh, tribunal, I guess, is there is a hazard in the green rings you fail to acknowledge. Yep. The Phantom Ring can protect all of us. What is he talking about? Do we think he's talking about something we already know? Or is he talking about something we have yet to figure out about the uh, Green Lantern mythos? If I had to bet, I would bet it's something we haven't figured out yet. Okay. And you, do you think the opposite? I don't know. I feel like at this point, this character has been around, well, obviously not the space version, but this character has been around for 75 plus years. It could just be something we're forgetting about that they're referencing. Um, unless, unless he's just also referencing the the limitations of the green spe- part of the spectrum, that it's not the end-all, be-all. That's, some, that's, what I, that's one thing I thought of when I read it. It could possibly be that, saying that, hey, you know, you, you know as well as I do that the green light isn't, you know, the, you know, the ultimate light in the universe. So it could be something like that, too. Well, for one, I was also thinking maybe it's the yellow weakness. Because it's so early in the creation of the uh, the rings that at this point in their history they probably still have the yellow impurity. Mm. I mean, I'm not I'm Maybe not really committed be. committed yeah. to that idea, but I thought it was a possibility. But they say hazard, not not weakness. They say hmm. a hazard, which which means again, um, which just means there's a da- there's an it's like there's some inherent danger we're not acknowledging in using this power or, or just only using this power so that's I don't know I still if I had to bet like I said I think I think it's something we're gonna find out but we don't know yet but it could but it could be lots of other things or some or, or almost like a retcon of something we do know about right 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 um uh, as far as everything else I do like obviously my, my favorite part of this the whole thing is obviously the flashbacks to Oa I like when we get that stuff. I like seeing the context of that stuff. Um, like when I see these things, I, I immediately pop back to the things that stand out most in my mind. Like um, I can't remember if it was during Brightest Day or Blackest Night, one of the two, when we see somebody in chains on Oa, when the Guardians, particularly uh, Ganthet, are wearing the white robes. That was the first Lantern, wasn't it? 
No, I think I think when we saw somebody in chains, I think that that was way before First Lantern. No, we I mean, were... but it was supposed to be the First Lantern. Oh, I don't know. I remember we were speculating at the time it might have been Necron, just because of the chains. Yeah, but um, I think if we, I'm not, I'm, I don't want to cut you off, but I think if we go back, that was the first. That was, I think, that was supposed to be. I think that was related to the supposed. That was the first Lantern, obviously, who didn't end up looking like that. But I think that's who it was supposed to be chained up, I believe. Unless, again, we find out it's somebody else. But I think it was, again. Okay. Uh, I also think of things like, you know, Krona. So, like, I picture these things and I'm like, okay, well, is this stuff with Raimi's taking place before or after the events of Krona? And I think before, because they don't mention it here. You know, when a... When a guardian, when a Owen, when an immortal uh, in their ranks does something scientific that could threaten the entire universe, you would think that if it came after Krona, Krona would be name drop here. <laughs> couple, couple of face palms. Oh no, not again! <laughs> did, did you not realize? Did you not learn from Krona's mistakes? You know that kind of a thing. That's a Krona X. Krona-esque thing to do. <laughs> but, but, then again, these Guardians have already established the creation of the Green Rings. Now, they say the Green Rings, they don't necessarily allude to the Lantern Core. However, Raimi says he was there when the Book of O.O. was written in terms of the guidelines for a Green Lantern. So I'm assuming not only has the ring been created, that the, um, that the, uh, the the lanterns are active now. Whether there's you know as many of them as they're supposed to be, thirty six hundred, um, or not, no idea. But at least the rings and the lanterns, according to these context clues, should exist. If so, then this should take place after Krona, because Krona took place before the Green Lanterns were in existence, supposedly. But, see, this is where continuity gets all messed up. What about Krona's Green Gauntlet? Like, yeah, is that just the tech that the that after he was exiled, they rummaged through? Like, it's just one of the things. That That's just one of the few things that Krona had in his laboratory when he did his experiment and got exiled and all this stuff. And when they ransacked his lab after he was exiled, they found the green gauntlet and then they created the rings and the lantern core from what they learned about that. Like, and that's what I'm trying to figure out. Like there's some continuity stuff here. That's a little wonky, not necessarily hard to figure out, but just a little, some things are up in the air for me. And I like trying to figure that kind of crap out. And to be and fair, I, I'm, I'm sorry. Ahead. To be fair, some of the stuff we don't we don't know if some of the stuff we're going to get ex, true explanations for. So the so the pieces are going to fit into the puzzle. We don't know if some of the stuff is again, you know, Humphrey's relative in inexperience with Green Lantern mythology because we've already seen mm-hmm. a couple of slip ups with that. Uh, so I do, so that's why that's what makes it hard to try to. You know, pinpoint. I also found it interesting looking at that first panel of the tribunal. Like, who do you think those guards are? That's interesting. I I was thinking that too when I first saw them. They are tall, and uh, yeah, almost... they they are small. The, the guardians are in their small stage at this point. So there's that. Now, 
Is that an art mistake, though? At what point did the Guardians become small? Uh, yeah. I mean, I don't think it's an art. I don't think it's an art mistake. It could be a writing mistake. True. But I, th- I think that I think it's I think they've been fairly consistent so far, and in, 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 even though this is really the first issue when you get the true flashbacks to it, I th- but I think they're being fairly consistent in, in making uh, the idea that Raimi's you know small. Raimi's been short pretty much during this whole time frame. Uh, okay. Now, in terms of the guards. Um, I, I did think about that, but I was less concerned with it because the Guardians have always had in several, not always, but in several stories in the past, the Guardians have had agents working directly for them other than Lanterns. Whether that be, obviously, the most notable one, of course, prior to the Green Lanterns would be the Manhunters. Um, then you have, um, oh, what was that? It was, a, was it Emerald Dawn 2? When whatever those robot things were that came for uh, Sinestro or whatever, I think I know what you mean, but it's been a while since I slipped through that one. Um, yeah, it, I mean, like I'm just saying, like there have been several different beings, automatons, whatever you want, that have worked directly for the Guardians before. So I wouldn't be surprised if this was something like that, or it could just be lanterns. Because they do have, um, at least we know, that there are different types of lanterns. Salak doesn't necessarily have a sector, but he's their... I, I don't even know what the hell to call Salak. Um, the administrator? And then, yeah, basically. Back in the day, uh, anyway. Yeah, you've got, you've, got, you've got Honor Guard, stuff like that. I wouldn't be surprised if there was some sort of, at least at the beginning, some sort of secret service type of thing that directly responsible for protecting the guardians. Although the only reason I'm thinking against that line of thought is because the guardians have always been arrogant little smurfs. <laughs> so I would think that they were like, no, nah, we can take care of ourselves. So yeah, normally I would have normally based on size, I would have assumed that they were some manhunter variant, but since they're already talking about the green lantern rings, unless, uh, again, unless this is some, Somewhere in the transitional phase, where they're de- where they're developing the concept of the Green Lantern rings, but they haven't really ter- released them yet. Um, so, other than that, it couldn't really be Manhunters. If they're certainly if the Green Lanterns are functional at this point, the Manhunters aren't. aren't. So. But. Now, and another thing, I want to uh, I want continuity maybe glitch. I want to throw out there. Let me let me first do this real quick. Um, let's see. What does she say exactly? I'm looking to see what Jessica says. Um, Forgive me one sec. Something about 10 billion years. Okay. Uh, uh, I was new, I was naive, and when I made the ring and arrogant, I thought I knew everything, but I did not know that this would be my curse. Jessica says, dude, wasn't that like 10 billion years ago? Don't you think you can start forgiving yourself now? And then she goes into listen, we're not Hal Jordan and blah blah blah. But now that's probably just hyperbole. Yes. Or yeah, it's hyperbole. That's how you say that word. Yeah. <laughs> um, but anyways, um, but when she said ten billion years ago, you know the Guardians really have been around that long. So it made me think if he created the Ring right around the time that the Green Lanterns existed. 
then, or at least were first coming into existence, then that doesn't then doesn't that mean that in this version of the DC universe, the Green Lantern Corps is ten billion years old? I, again, I know it's likely hyperbole, but it made me think for a minute. No, I agree. I, but I, I would, I certainly would bet that she's just, she's just thrown out a random number, knowing how old, knowing that these beings are really, really old, just from her limited information, the limited information dump she's gotten from Simon so far, more than just as much from Raimi. But we've been focusing on that for a while. There's a bunch of other stuff going on in the issue now. The Dominators. Uh, I'm not going to pretend to be a DC Comics expert. Um, it's, it's more of my wheelhouse than most any other, <laughs> uh, comic universe, but, um, the Dominators were involved in Secret Invasion. Mark, did you read Secret Invasion? No. Okay. Um, there's actually a podcast out there. It's on the Fire and Water Podcast Network. It's called First Strike, the Invasion Podcast. Um, it's really good. You guys should listen to it. I did listen to the first episode. I learned a lot, but... Like I said earlier in the episode, I've got so much on my plate in terms of podcast listening that um, I just can't keep up. So uh, if you're curious about First Strike and don't want to go out and buy the comic, um, although it, it did, I think, fairly recently come out in trade paperback, um, you know, go listen to First Strike, the Invasion podcast, um, which if I think, I think there's a promo out there. I'll play it uh, when we uh, go to break after all the reviews. Um, so you guys know where to find it. But um, the reason the Dominators, I think, are involved here partly involves um, multimedia. Because if you guys are unaware, Flash, Arrow, Supergirl, and Legends of Tomorrow will have a four-part crossover episode. I think we're around episode... Eight or nine, something like that, of um, Flash Arrow. Um, I'm not ex- exactly sure how or when, um, but usually these big crossover episodes are within the first ten episodes of the season. <clears throat> but anyways, the big bad is the Dominators. Um, so I wouldn't be surprised if there's some reason for them to pull them into here, but um, part, that's part of the reason I'm like pitching you towards... <laughs> The, the upcoming crossover on the CW as well as the original Secret Invasion comic is because I know nothing about them and Mark said he didn't read it either. So if you want to learn more, there are a couple other places you're going to be learning about them fairly soon if you want to. <laughs> um, but to my knowledge, have they ever been involved in a Green Lantern storyline before? I mean, like outside of invasion-related Secret Invasion? Not, was it called Secret Invasion or just Invasion? I think it was called. I think it was called Invasion. What time frame was that? Late eighties, yeah. mid mid to late eighties. I certainly don't remember. Certainly, since I've been reading Green Lanterns, any of the Green Lantern books, I don't remember the dominant. I don't really remember the Dominators. I don't. It doesn't mean they couldn't have shown up for like an issue or two. Yeah, they I are don't. a major, you know, alien race in space. So it's you know, with the Green Lantern Corps being a space book, they had to have shown up somewhere, right? Yeah, you would think so, but no, they, they. I'm not overly. I'm not overly familiar with them either. So it's certainly. I don't know, but the but the, the way Ramy the way Ramy is like putting that big uh big spotlight on his ring box as he flies through the universe. I mean, everything in the 
the friggin' coons are going to be coming back looking for this thing. <laughs> well, the, the one thing I do know slash remember about the, the invasion or secret invasion, I'm just going to call it invasion so there's less confusion. Um, the invasion storyline is it wasn't just the Dominators. It was the Kundians and a couple of other alien races all organized together by the Dominators. Um, so the Dominators, I don't want to see, I don't, I don't want to speak out of turn, but I don't know off the top of my head if they have any sort of powers, you know, super strength or telepathic ability or something like that. But at the very least, they have the ability to plan and organize and carry out um, plans for domination, <laughs> I guess, for lack of a better term. So giving these creatures a ring like the Phantom Ring actually is a threat because of what they're able to do and plan and manipulate on their own without powers. That makes sense. So I, so I guess that, that does, in a way, make them a credible threat. Um, the trick-or-treating side of things. Simon has a mask to protect his identity, right? Yes. So why is he dressed up as Green Lantern out trick-or-treating with his nephew and his sister? Like, and it's, it's not like he's just around the vicinity of the neighborhood. He is specifically hanging out with them. I know. <laughs> I know. And like I, and like I pointed out, it's not, it's not like they're not using... Right. He, certainly, he's not being really coy about using his powers. <laughs> so, so it's not just, oh, that's a cool light effect. No, this guy's got a real functioning ring. <laughs> um, so that's that's kind of interesting to me. Um, it was invasion, by the way. Not see, secret invasion was the the scroll. Marvel. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Um. So yeah. Um. The rest of it. I don't know. I mean, as far as like the, these kids and this whole kind of mini misunderstanding between uh, Raimi and, and uh, Simon and Jessica, I feel like that's just one of those atypical plot point tropes. Yep. You know, when before the good guys team up, they got to fight. You know, so here's that kind of moment. Um, but you know, it, I mean, it was actually kind of a fun issue. It was. For for a, for a one-off issue, it was fine. Yeah, uh, the art was pretty good. Yes, I would say uh, the art was pretty good. The art actually, I think, gets better next issue, but I think that's probably just due to one big double-page spread yep. <laughs> that I, that I really liked. Um, what else? I'm trying to. Th- I, th- I think there was something else that we I, I wanted to make sure we mentioned, but I can't remember what the heck it was. What did you think, other than, I mean... I thought it was, a, like many of these issues, and it's, and it's not even just Green Lanterns. I mean, we find this in Hal Jordan, I think, too. But a little bit less now, as, as that series has gone on. These seem to be really quick reads. A lot of these things are quick reads. Uh, this one maybe was a little less quick, because there's a, there's a lot of... It's a, it's very wordy, wordy, very verbose. Like especially the double page split. Ugh, can't speak tonight. The double page spread when uh, Simon just ran, randomly decides to th- throw out some kind of <laughs> language from the Book of Oa. <laughs> uh, but you know the, the Dominator is being defeated. So I mean one two three. I mean yeah, it's not like Green Lantern shouldn't be able to do that. But then again. <laughs> 
look at look at these two. They haven't exactly been setting the world on fire here, and they're with, with, with their ring slinging abilities up to this point. So I don't know. I I it was it was okay. I you know it seems like it was kind of a filler in a way. It was more though. I think it's more of a catch your breath issue because it. We kind of got half a catch-your-breath issue last time after they wrapped up Red Dawn, and then we know, you know, we got the Phantom Lantern prologue pretty much coming now. So, it's, it's, I guess it was just there to more or less kind of like strengthen the bond between Simon and Jessica at the same time creating a real bond between Simon, Jessica, and Raimi. So. Um, the, the two other things I wanted to mention. One, back to the scene on Oa. Uh, let's see. The tribunal, the earlier one. The, the tribunal. It was a mistake to allow you such leniency so early in your service. He's a new guardian. Yep. He's a relative newbie. And is he a new guardian, not just in terms of being appointed as a guardian of the universe? But is he a new guardian in terms of his age? Look at his face compared to the other ones. He may have white hair and everything, but look at his face. Oh, he yeah. looks like a he looks like a kid compared to them. Well, that would kind of make well. Uh, well, I was going to say it would kind of make sense, but not necessarily that you would be somewhat younger if you were if you were not in the first wave of guardians. You would not necessarily have to be that much younger to be in the second wave. They're depending how the recruitment drive went. Yeah, I, I think he's younger. I think I think he's younger, and he probably, which would make sense when you think about it. He he's he he would be younger. He kind of acts even now. It would, it would. I'm trying to figure out the best way to explain it. Probably the best way to explain it is just the fact that because he was he was so young to start with, and he didn't spend that much time as a active member of the Guardians of the Universe. That's why he acts so unlike the Guardians of the Universe. He may have hmm. the power of the Guardians, but that's why he you know he he's a he's emotional. He's he's humor he's humorous. You know he you know he has no problem using his emotions, any emotion, being angry, being you know, fear, feeling fear from the dominant, you know, so I think it's kind of, I think it kind of would make sense that he would be relatively inexperienced as a guardian, too, besides his age, because that's why he had, his sense of self was still fully developed, and it wasn't kind of stripped away over, you know, maybe billions of years of service. Do you think he's, do you think he has the powers of a guardian? I mean, I know he is scientifically minded, he created the Phantom Ring, so on and so forth, um, but I was always under the impression that the Guardians had the powers they had by, na- like, just by nature. Like, that's just their something they're born with by race. You know, just as an example, when you and I covered uh, that uh, issue of Secret Origins with uh, with Ryan Daly on his Secret Origins podcast, you know, we were talking about how they developed and honed these skills over you know millennia since they were one of the first intelligent beings to evolve in the universe. Um, I always assumed just just by nature that these beings had this ability. But do you think once they're they're born with some natural ability, but once members of their race are appointed as guardians of the universe, they gain more? Maybe. Possibly. It's, yeah, it's possible. Maybe even if okay. it's just a... Maybe even if it's just a, a, like a unlocking of powers that you have to begin with, but you, but you can't access them. But once you reach that different plane or plateau, then maybe you're you are shown how to access them, but 
So I'm sure okay. he has the powers. I mean, I don't think he would have been able. Let's be honest. He wouldn't. A. He wouldn't have been able to survive all this time on his own if he didn't. He wouldn't have been able to hold on to the ring. And plus, he talks about all the different ways he tried to crush the ring. Yeah, he wouldn't have been, yeah uh, let me see. Where's the... Uh, he, yeah, he wouldn't have been able to cr- try to crush it with 12 black holes if he didn't have power, powers of the of Yeah, threw it into the fires pits of apocalypse. I tried kryptonite, nth metal, zeta beams, nothing. Um, yeah, which, by the way, kryptonite, you guys know, that's Superman, uh, Krypton, kryptonian-related. Nth metal, that's the metal from Thanagar that, uh, depending on... Yeah, depending on the uh, the iteration you're reading of them, Usually grants them the ability to fly. Sometimes it's in their their metal in terms of like their mace and their weapons. And Zeta beams. That's uh, Adam Strange from Zan, uh, which that doesn't really make sense because Zeta beams just transport you. As far as I'm aware, Zeta beams just transport you places randomly. Uh, I don't know how that would be uh, equipped as a weapon, but I don't know. Maybe they're they're just throwing it out there to just help tie it into the larger DC universe a little a little bit better. Um, <clears throat> Now, the other thing I was going to ask is, before you read issue nine, did you have any thoughts of who this guy might be? None at all. Yeah, see, I didn't think of anything that, like, it had to be A, B, C, or D. Uh, And to be fair, guys, I read these basically back to back. Um, But, you know, there was a moment where I was like, I purposely gave myself like five or ten minutes to try and figure it out before I read the next issue. Um for some reason, the tattooed man kept popping into my mind. I don't know why, but I was thinking maybe the tattooed man. Um, he mentioned the phantom ring, so I was like, wait, who could it possibly be? What human would know about it? And then I started thinking, like, well, maybe it's an alien that looks kind of like a human. So I was like, no, is this, like, evil stars? <laughs> who, who has ties to space but also looks like a human? It's definitely not Sinestro. So like, I was just like, I kept thinking again and again, I was like, who could this person be? Uh, and I just like, uh, nothing jumped out to me. Uh, the only, for whatever reason, Tattooed Man is the only thing that stuck into my mind. Uh, I was hoping, maybe it was just because I was hoping it was somebody else that's connected to the Green Lantern mythos that didn't actually have any ties to the emotional spectrum. The same way that Star Sapphire became involved with the 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 violet core and Sinestro became yellow and Black Hand became black. I was hoping like some other Green Lantern villain would come back into the picture that wasn't necessarily tied to the emotional spectrum, but we could get that kind of shout out again. The same way we got um, Sonar, uh, yeah, not too long ago. Like it'd be cool to have somebody back, uh, but obviously, if we did, I'd be a little pissed that we were getting this person appropriated <laughs> into. The- the, another aspect of the emotional spectrum we had no idea existed until now. <laughs> and true, to be fair, even when we get into nine, we, until we see until we see issue ten, we really don't know if not if we don't one hundred percent know if 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 you, the person issue nine is actually get, going to be the Phantom Lantern. We assume that's going hmm. to be the case, but they, but it could be like a it could be a setup just to kind of like. Just to surprise us and dash his hopes one more time. <laughs> yeah. It's 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 a red herring, probably. It could. Um, I, I'm hoping it's a red herring because I'm not going to be not just because of our speculation previously, but just because it's hard to imagine with this character's background why he would be. Because I read the, an interview with with Humphreys talking about how he's kind of in his mind positioning 
the Phantom Lantern maybe to be like Jessica and Simon Sinestro, but I don't quite see that based on his the background of this character. I know they kind of tie it in a little bit to Simon about why he might have a reason to not like Simon, but at the end of the day, he would still have more of an issue with Hal, you would think, than he would anybody else. So, and and, and I get that, but in terms of why we think the Phantom Lantern might be. Uh, uh, parallax, just because of like the the way the shoulders are and the, yeah. like the silhouette. At the same time, if you're looking at the cover to issue number uh, not uh, issue number nine, look at the way that it's designed. Look at the edges and everything. It's possible that that's just the costume it gives you. It, yeah, um, it, it's just it's just that it's it does. I mean, at this point, if I had to bet, I would bet that it's not going to be parallax based on what we. What we're about to see in issue nine when we go into the issue review. And I hope I hope it's not. Now the reason I hope it's not, now I know Parallax was criminally underused in his most recent appearance, and I think I don't think anybody else out there agrees with me more than you. Um, but when because this, this is news to me. I'm, I haven't been keeping up with like the online articles or solicits or anything like that. Um, partly because I haven't been visiting the shop where I get my uh, my previews from, so I don't get a lot of the advanced solicits anymore. Um, but if Sam Humphrey says he's positioning this person to be like Simon and Jessica's Sinestro, I would, like, speaking of criminally underusing <laughs> Hal Jordan Parallax, to make him just the villain of Simon and Jessica, as much as, you know, you want them to maybe, if okay, if we got to keep these lanterns around... Let's build them up. I would hate for for that particular character, that particular version of the character. <sighs> reduced isn't the word, but it's all I can think of. To be reduced to that point. No, I know. I, I'm once I once I read that once I read that interview followed up by reading issue nine, I would certainly say that if it was done on purpose or whether there's a re- I mean, just to throw people off the track or whether there's a reason based on the ring or we're going to find out why he kind of did look like Parallax, at least on that cover, that once I read that, I was pretty sure that unfortunately, unfortunately for me, because I think it would be a cool power for Parallax to have, and I could see Parallax potentially being mani- – I could see Parallax potentially being manipulated by, you know, the big bad of issue nine, certainly if it was being behind the scenes and he didn't quite know – you know, he was kind of being not so blatantly manipulated. I think I, I, I could see that. But I agree. At the end of the day, and I was thinking about this today, I would rather Parallax not be used for like a year or so. If, they, if when he does get used again, he's used in a much better fashion and is written better. Yeah. And is worthy of what the character is. I mean, they, they, I mean that storyline, we know that was taking a big dump on, on Parallax and what he was and what who he is and what his goals were. And it's just kind of defeated the whole purpose of having the zero hour yeah. parallax alive and it's yeah. not, but it keep, but we know he's still out there we know he'll come back and, and it's and we also know it's almost inevitable he and sinestro as long as sinestro is going to remain parallax-esque that those two characters have to come into conflict at some point so yeah so take taking him off the off the table to build him up the same way uh uh rebirth okay. no no rebirth had sinestro in there and then jeff johns intentionally took Sinestro off the table and we had so Sinestro War was like 20 issue 20s so that was what two years with zero Sinestro 
Yeah, the only times he showed up was when they had those little tales of like the Sinestro Corps kind of things in the back of the issues when he was doing his recruitment drive. Like yeah. he got Orkillo and a few, yeah. So then that wasn't until the teens, I believe, or or somewhere around there. So yeah. So like, yeah, we didn't we didn't see Sinestro for like at all for like at least a solid year. Yep. So yeah, that's probably uh, the better thing to do with Parallax at this point, and 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 just to treat the character a, a little a little more respect for if possible, because or else, like I said, there's no point. They need, there was no point even bringing him back from from doing the uh, from saving. The preventing crisis on Infinite Earths, then. Yeah. I would have better off having him die, or or having it be. People allude to the fact that Parallax died, like, like Superman and other characters that didn't die, allude to the fact that we think that we believe, you know, he must have died, and then then you could bring him back down the road for, at a relevant point. But, but yeah, but I'm sorry, we don't want to go on about Parallax too much. All right, so on to issue number nine. Do you have anything else to say about issue eight before we move on? No, I think we did a lot with issue eight, actually. Okay. All right, issue number nine. Uh, we open up years ago. Um, I would probably say, based on what they say about the New 52 slash Rebirth, this is five to seven years ago, when Hal Jordan first gets his ring. Um, we see a pilot, test pilot, called Frank Leminski. Now, Frank Leminski is piloting a uh, jet aircraft known as the Flaming Spear. Uh, things are going very badly for him. He's about to lose all control and crash the plane when who saves him but Green Lantern Hal Jordan. Um, the very first thing he says to uh, Hal after Hal saves the plane and drops it down on the tarmac is, who are you and that ring, can I try it? Uh, Hal basically goes, uh, no, that's not a good idea. Uh, ever since then, uh, this Frank Leminski has been obsessed with Green Lantern. Sound familiar? <laughs> uh, we get a, a flashback within a flashback to this guy's childhood, how he was always overlooked slash second best, uh, no matter how hard he tried, including in the Air Force. And then when they couldn't find Hal Jordan to... Uh, pilot uh the test uh, test fly the plane um you know they're like well that they couldn't find him he hal jordan was quote-unquote grounded at this point um uh they chose frank and we already know how that went uh then we see frank essentially grounded he's watching a news report and sees john stewart uh so he starts feeling getting the idea that you know there are more than one Green Lantern, and there there can be, and there will be more. Um, so I'm going to hone myself to become one. So we see him, you know, kind of, um, you know, with the way you see crazy people try to connect the dots with newspaper clippings and photos, but he's got a bulletin board like that. Uh, then we see Guy Gardner enter the scene, and we see that Frank is potentially putting himself in things that help him overcome fear and help hone himself. He's working out. Uh, his apartment is very sparsely populated, so I guess there's nothing to distract him. He takes a job in Arkham as a security guard standing right outside the Joker's cell. Um, you know, he's helping his sharpshooting. And then we he's, he's joining underground fighting rings, it looks like. Uh, we see Kyle show up on the scene. As a Green Lantern, you know, we get a scene from, I'm assuming, one of the first few issues of, of Kyle's uh, original run where he's going face-to-face -face with Mongol. Yep. Um, uh, then we see Frank said, you know what? 
I'm not going to wait around anymore. So he goes a step further, puts on a mask, and tries his hand at fighting crime. First night out doesn't work too well. He gets his ass handed to him. Uh, and as he's beaten and bloodied in his apartment, screaming to the heavens, what do you want from me? What do I have to do to deserve you? I know you're out there watching me. Why can't you tell me? I'm begging you to speak to me. Please, I need to know. Am I wasting my life? Are you listening? And then a crash and a green light and a green lantern ring comes and finds him. says, you have the ability to overcome great fear. You've been chosen. He says he accepts. And then all of a sudden, the green ring errors out and says, malfunction detected, recalibrating, rescanning. Frank Leminski, you do not have the ability to overcome great fear. You have not been chosen. Correct candidate located, charting course, Guantanamo Bay, Cuba. So this is the ring that goes off to find Simon Baz. So this is uh, the ring that Hal and Sinestro were yes. sent out together. Which, kind of which makes is why wonder, it airs out. <laughs> yes, which kind of makes you wonder which part – what do you think? It was Sinestro's part that was going to choose Frank? <laughs> yeah, Sinestro, <laughs> Sinestro's will is choosing Frank and Hal's is – Hal slash the Green Lantern's – um, inherent protocols are the ones that are not choosing him. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, then he says, you know, obviously after the ring leaves him, it's not hard to figure out where it went when this new Green Lantern comes up on the scene. Um, uh, he's still getting into fights, getting his butt kicked. Because uh, his he, heart's not in it anymore. Yeah, his heart's not in it anymore. He goes to his apartment one day and says that there, he sees someone in there. He pulls a gun on them. That person says, I've been monitoring you. Your fear, your anger, your hope, it's like sustenance to me. As you waste your life waiting for something that will never come. He says, this person says, there are all rings, there are power rings of all colors, and they all have to choose you except for one. There's one power ring in the universe that doesn't have to choose you. Anyone can pick it up and use it, and it's right here on Earth, the Phantom Ring. And as they go back and forth, he says, "I will help you find it, Frank. I know all about. I know. I know all about power rings. Billions of years ago, they called me Volthoom, the first lantern. If you truly want the Phantom Ring, Frank, you'll have to take it from the Green Lanterns." And we see Volthoom standing there, very looking very much like who? Frank. <laughs> I started laughing, so I couldn't do it. Lord Vader, can you hear me? <laughs> like Emperor like, Palpatine. Yes, just like Emperor Palpatine. As I'm laughing, I can't do my best Palpatine. I apologize, but yes. <laughs> do it. <laughs> Take it, Frank. Do it. It doesn't help that his he's got like a little lightning crackling. <laughs> so that's. I mean, at least his hand, at least underneath the the Sith cloak, he does kind of look a little bit like what we saw the Phantom. I mean, the first Lantern looked like a little bit. Yeah. So, but just without the different colors. So I guess he does look a little like Volthoom. But, he, but my God, yeah. I mean, he looks fr- – he is just – he is the Emperor Palpatine clone. Um, so why did I like this issue? Why, why, why am I okay with covering this one instead of number eight? Um, it's, it's Palpatine. A <laughs> no, it's, 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 it's a character piece. Now, this is very, very, very um, unoriginal – in terms of, uh, of of a villain, somebody envious of the power of a hero, and that's how they become a villain. Um, but I like that they did this, and I think that this is a good use or good way to use the uh, twice a month publishing schedule. 
instead of just giving us a villain and revealing bits and pieces of this guy's origin throughout uh, whatever storyline they have coming up, give it all to us in one issue and do it well enough that we maybe care and at least can understand their motivations, their history, um, who their benefactor is, so on and so forth, before giving us somebody brand new that we have no attachment to, can't feel any sort of real... Like, if you were to just give me a person, as we saw him at the end of issue 8, he looks like just a dude who's probably got some sort of military training with a weapon, a gun, which we all know ain't going to do shit against the Green Lantern. So if we were to just get him going after him, him uh, after them, then I wouldn't feel any sort of threat. Like, okay, this guy's coming, and they're going to take him out even easier than the, the Dominators. So who cares? But you give me this issue, and you get some motivations. And I can actually kind of understand this. I've said before that every now and then I like to, like, just, you know, run scenario Because I, I, you know... I like to, you know, write every now and then, and whether it's a, a story or an article or a blog post or something. Sometimes it's just random fiction. Like I've actually started writing a, uh, a Ragman fan fiction piece that I'm pretty excited about. Um, I keep stopping and starting and fixing and stuff instead of just writing it all the way through. Um, but I really enjoy doing it. I've done that kind of mentally, Green Lantern wise, but it's nothing. Nothing I've ever would want to publish because it's about me. Like. If I were to wake up one day in the DC universe and let's say the multiverse is real and they're really – which, by the way, theoretically, scientifically, phys in physics, they do believe a multiverse, at least in theory, exists. <laughs> like real-world science explanation, there is a multiverse out there. Um, so let's say I wake up someday somehow transported to a real-life DC universe. Like what would my plan be? As much as I am a Green Lantern fan, like logically – I would choose to be a Green Lantern. What would I do with that power? How would I get it? How would I become worth the main thing? How would I become worthy of the ring? Like, you know, getting a lesson in morality from not just Superman, but the Kents, like going to train with Batman, you know, like maybe learning some like s sort of forensic stuff from Flash or, you know, something like that. Because in my mind, I want to do all of that before I approach a Green Lantern slash the Guardians of the Universe, because if they say no, I will have already learned all this other stuff when they kick me back to my universe. <laughs> so at least I have all these things to maybe become my own hero when I get back to my universe. Like, <laughs> it's just this whole thing. We'll, but we'll, I've, we'll, I, call I, I, we'll call you Frank. <laughs> that's what I'm saying. <laughs> I'm Chad I, Frank Bokelman. I, I, I identify with this in a way because, like – He's kind of like me, not the crazy part of this. I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> but but his thought process is such that, wow, like look at what he can do. I would love to be able to do that. Oh, you have to be worthy? Well, I'm going to dedicate my life to becoming worthy of this. Like if this existed in our world, there are people who would think like that. And I might be one of them, not to this extreme, but I might be one of them, you know, trying to better myself, to become worthy, to get this power, to become a hero, to do whatever. Um, so I kind of connect with it as as what, it, what as formulaic as this origin story for a quote unquote villain is. I still 
feel some sort of connection to it. I mean, I think that maybe we all kind of do just as Green Lantern fans. I mean, if it were real, how many of us would like to be Green Lanterns? (laughs) Like, just for real. (laughs) Like, how can you not somehow identify with seeing a Green Lantern and wanting that? So I, I feel a bit of a connection to it, no matter how formulaic it may be. It takes it to crazy town for for this guy, but um, I kind of identify with it. And then you get a guy, and like, what happens when somebody can't get the power they want? They get all pissed off and blah blah blah. They go down this dark path, and then again, formulaic. Somebody with great power and access and knowledge becomes their benefactor and takes them and twists them for their own ends. That's what Volthoom's here for. So. I don't know. I really liked it in terms of what it was. I mean, again, I keep using the word formulaic. It was formulaic from page one to page whatever, however many pages the story is. But um, but I did enjoy it. I'm 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 just as interested, if not more, in finding out exactly how Volthoom is alive. <laughs> True. Hopefully, we'll get that. Hopefully, this won't be another part in the. Pardon the term, but it won't be another half-ass like glass glossing over of you know. Oh, this character's back, but we're not going to tell you how because that would be that would be like if they do that this time, that would be like the epitome of sloppy writing. I mean, well, I think I think they I think I think they are already hinting at it a little bit. He's back, but he's weakened because oh, course, he's yeah. he's got this thing holding on. He's very old and decrepit looking, and he says here he says uh, da 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 da. He's living, uh, basically living off your, Frank's emotions. Yeah, your anger, your fear, your hope, it is like sustenance to me. Right, but it doesn't explain how he's alive. No, no, it doesn't, <laughs> but, what I'm, but it, it, it gives you the idea that he's in a weakened state. Oh, yeah, and we know why he – and it explains why he's drawn to yeah. him like a moth to a flame. Yes. That part, that part, yeah, that part, that part I absolutely – I absolutely get. I just – they just cannot gloss over giving us an explanation for – how Volthoom was alive when the last time we saw him in Jeff John's last issue, he was getting cut apart by Necron <laughs> after the spectrum was being drained out of him. So we need an explanation for that because that's pretty much real. That's like comic book villain return 101. I mean, you always have to get an explanation for when the, when the villain comes back, how he's back and how he got out of the last time he was supposed to be dead and gone forever. So that's so we need that. So I'm I am interested in that. I do. I'm. It's kind of. I think it's cool to bring Volthoom back. Um, so I think that's that's the bigger picture, bad, and, and his plans for the Guardian uh, for Raimi. I also think it's really interesting, like we were talking about in issue eight, trying to figure out again, trying to make all the pieces fit for a time frame because we because we know Volthoom was acknowledging that he's been around the billions of years ago he was first called the First Lantern, and we know that he was kept you know he was kept in stasis by the Guardians of the Universe. You know, hidden away for like billions and billions of years. But yet he knew about the Phantom Ring. Um, so unless you want to think he only knew about the Phantom Ring since he, you know, since the, you know, the end of uh, the Jeff Johns run and all this, he's, he's only recently discovered the Phantom Ring, which I guess is, it's possible. But if not, if he knew about the Phantom Ring all along, that again kind of throws things up in the air with Krona in the time frame and, when he when this stuff with Raimi went down because of the fact that Volthoom was locked away and we you know with with the Templar Guardians you know and everything and they were just locked away for so long and things like that so and that is exactly why I brought up the continuity stuff uh, for issue eight 
<laughs> yep. Because it, even without the revelation of Volthum here, there was some kind of tricky continuity all by itself. <laughs> yeah, and Volthum does he does complicate things without without especially if again we're not given a simple explanation of maybe again we get an explanation for how Volthum's alive, maybe that will tie into how he you know, maybe something about the Phantom Lantern was you know, somehow where Raimi was at the time, close to when, you know, the physical location of, of, of Volthoom when he got killed, or Pseudo got killed, that's, that tie to the emotional spectrum was able to, you know, at least he was able to pick up on it, things like, we need, we need some, we got, we have to get some more, in, some more information about it, so, but. I'm yeah, gonna, I, I'm, unfortunately, I think I'm going to have to reread uh, the first Lantern, and, uh, well, kind of to a lesser extent, Rise of the Third Army. Because I don't remember much about Volthoom. I just remember kind of slogging through that uh, that last storyline, uh, losing my luster for <laughs> for uh, for uh, Jeff Johns's run on Green Lantern. It wasn't as good as it used to be. Uh, so I just remember just not not really particularly enjoying myself. So as such, I don't remember a lot of the details about it. So I'm gonna have to reread it because what I know about Volthoom is no longer valid <laughs> in terms of his ties to uh, Earth 3's power ring. Yeah, that that was always that was always a tenuous connection once Jeff Johns used him whether it was the same Volthoom or whether it wasn't. Yeah. Um, so, I we'll, we'll see now I think I think well, uh, see I'm going to have to read more comics now. I think doesn't Jessica at some point when she's as power ring when she's like in her little mental world, or she's communicating with the ring, doesn't she say something about Volthoom? Like she refers to somebody as Volthoom? Yeah, but whether that it's may, a, a yes, voice or yeah, whatever. Yeah, that because there was tied to powering, so maybe that maybe there's going to be it's a tie into that, but yeah. So I might have more to reread than just uh, First Lantern, um, but that doesn't matter because. Whether we actually do it or not, I thought it'd be cool to do like a spotlight on uh, Jessica Cruz episode or something like that. If we're gonna be stuck with her for a while, uh, whether we actually do it or not, who who knows? Who cares? But at the very least, I wanted to read all that stuff and s- figure out if there's anything because I was like trying to figure out stuff in advance. <laughs> so the more I know about this character, the more maybe I can reference and say, "Oh, cool! They did a shout out to this, this, and this," or they might be going here, here, or here with it. So. At the very least, I'm going to have to sit down and do some rereading of uh, some Justice League, uh, Justice League of America stuff where she had first appeared. Wouldn't hurt. Um, how, what do we think about Frank in general? I, I do. I do see a little bit of what you're talking about as the, the relatable part of Frank that the people can understand. People can understand that. He's kind of like a Frank Burns kind of character, actually. <laughs> kind of always not very popular. People always people always hate him. He's kind of he's kind of not particularly good at what he does. Uh, so I, I but I can see where you go. I can see why there is a, a certain element of every man in Frank. So I can see that. I don't know if I would really. I don't. I don't know if I want him to get that ring. I do think obviously he could be. He obviously would be pretty damn dangerous with a ring like that, considering how how unbalanced he is to begin with. Right. Every Volthoom whispering, doing the Palpatine thing in his ear. 
do it. I love every time, you know, pushing his buttons. So, I don't know. I think well, I think I'll know more about how I really feel about Frank in issue ten. I think. Um, I like the shout-outs, by the way, in here. I like um, when we see the Justice League all together towards the end. Odd timing, um, but I like seeing this uh, shout-out to Rebirth in here. In terms of placement, it's kind of weird. And Frank was, I believe Frank was mentioned in Secret Origin. I read that somewhere, that Frank was actually mentioned in uh, Green Lantern Secret Origin. Hmm. I'll have to reread that. Uh, I, do, I do have uh, the first two volumes of the Jeff Johns Omnibus, so I'll have to check that out. Um, I like the, the shout-outs to the other Lanterns. Like, for instance, you, when you see Kyle, you don't just see Kyle. You see him going up against Mongol, which is one of his first appearance. Um, when you see um, John, you see John in his classic costume, no mask, uh you know, all of that stuff, and he's giving a TV interview. That's one of his first appearances. When you see Guy, he's with the Justice League International. So I think that's kind of cool. And I do like the art in a lot of this. Um, the art is pretty pretty well done. I love that splash of Hal saving the, the Flaming Spear, the, sh- the, the ship here. Yeah, the art works. The artwork works. Yes, you heard it. You heard it here, for folks. Um, let's see, who 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 did the art on this? Was it the same creative team? I think so. Because it almost had a Yvonne Hayes kind of feel to it. There, it did. It did. Because uh, actually, where where is the? Oh, the it's on the. It's on the page. Phantom. Yeah. Yeah. Robson Roca yep. and Jay Leinstein inks. Okay. Yep. It's the same. But you're okay. right. I, I I especially especially when they're doing the scenes from uh, basically touching on stuff that would have happened in the uh, Secret Origin time frame for Hal. I think that stuff, I can, in the front, in the first page, too, I could definitely get that, definitely get that vibe off the style of art. So, yeah. Yeah, definitely. I I, I enjoy it. I enjoy it a lot. Um, Now, the Flaming Spear, let me look some stuff up while we kind of discuss everything else. So, um, is there anything else you wanted to say about this issue? Anything speculative-wise or anything like that? Well, you can go look up what you're looking up. Now, I'll, I'll throw something out which is related to Green Lanterns in general, so that so that will it'll be beneficial and, and it'll cover us at the same time. It is inter- I find it interesting that maybe not 100% surprising, though on the surface it does seem surprising. I guess to people who actually I think are reading both books, that it's still surprising that as we speak, Green Lanterns is still selling better than Hal Jordan in the Green Lantern Corps. Is it? Yes. Like I said, I'm not uh, I'm not uh, keeping tabs on these. It's not a, it's not the world's biggest difference at this point because honestly, both books are starting to slide back down. So probably if the trend were to continue, uh, if not in the next month, maybe in a month after that, both books might be out of the top 50. But as of now, Green, yes, Green Lanterns has been selling is a better seller than Hal in the Core. So we could. One could speculate why that is. We we kind of talked about this even, I think, before these books started, that even though Hal Jordan's name is on the other book, a lot of people will think the Green Lantern's book, because of the logo with just the S thrown at the end of it, is the flagship title. So maybe <clears> that is something that draws people in more. Uh, but that would only, but that's only an explanation for the initial, for the early the early issues, because people would realize pretty quickly that Hal's not really involved in this book. So his name gets dropped a whole hell of a lot. 
and we have seen pictures of how Jordan this issue is a good example. So they are they are kind of they're not really keeping it 100% Hal free. He just doesn't really show up much in in, in these. But it is interesting. So, so what I was looking up, showcase number 22, the very first appearance of Hal Jordan the Green Lantern. Uh, back way back when, when the Silver Age issues were published, uh, Golden Age too sometimes, there was more than one story for a character in that particular comic book issue. In the first part of Showcase 22, you get Hal Jordan's origin, the you know whole Abin Sur stuff. Now there is a second story within Showcase number 22 involving Green Lantern. That story is titled. Secret of the Flaming Spear. And I knew that name sounded familiar to me, and it's a more popular name in terms of uh, Green Lantern history, so it's not like I uniquely pointed uh, picked this out of the lineup. That is a very purposeful name. Um, but, um, like, I'm, I'm, I've got my uh, Green Lantern Volume 1 Omnibus, the Silver Age stuff. I've got uh, Volume 1 and 2 of that. I don't know if there's a third one yet. I wish there would be, but if, if there's not. But, anyways... So one two so we got the main title splash page called and naming the t- the story then you got one so in that including that as a panel so one two three four five panel five uh, calling tower this is the flaming spear I'm in trouble a eh? F- uh, controls frozen I'm in a dive can't pull out and then Carol says it's Frank Nichols <laughs> I don't know why they changed his last name Dad sent him up in the flaming spear when you weren't around Hal. Poor Frank, he poor Frank, he hasn't a chance. And then Hal's thinking to himself, one chance in the person of Green Lantern. And then after he charges up, goes after the spear, saves it. It's down on the tarmac. Frank says, say, you saved my life, but who are you? The first question Frank asks in this thing. Uh, Green Lantern is my name. What, what is this? Uh, no accident, blah, blah, blah. Um, and he says, uh, you know, I got no time to answer questions now. I've got a, I've got things to do. And then Frank says, wait till I tell the fellows about that, about this. And that's the last part of it. Um, but uh, we have seen Frank before in more than just Secret Origins, like um, uh, Jeff Johns' Secret Origins. But in his original first appearance as Hal Jordan, we see a character known as Frank. Now, it's a different last name, but it is Frank who f- pilots this ship known as the Flaming Spear. Um, it is Frank who is chosen because Hal wasn't around, and his first question is, who are you? And, and, honestly, I was thinking this as, as you were saying this, considering what, considering what kind of loser everybody considers Frank, it, it could just be somebody forgot what his last name was. <laughs> It really could be explained away just like that. Like, what? like one minute after they say that over the radio, it's like, his last name is Nichols? It's like, oh, it isn't. I never knew that. Like, come on, but that really, that's not even that really crazy to even think that at this point. No, uh, but I, I think it's very interesting that uh, this particular... I guess uh, let's just call him a villain instead of just this upcoming villain for the Green Lantern mythos has ties to the very, 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 very first actual appearance of Hal Jordan. So that's cool. That is cool. <clears throat> so we'll see what they if, we'll see if they cash in on that and if they make him worthy of that legacy or if they don't. So you may have chosen a cool a cool like 
hey, shout out to the history of Green Lanterns there, Sam Humphreys, but let's see if you can uh, keep it going. Indeed. <clears throat> All right, anything else you want to say about issues eight or nine? No, I think we did a pretty good job at eight, man. We got, I think we mined a lot of material considering. All right, sounds good. Guys, we're going to take a quick promotional break, um, and we'll play that promo I told you about. I'll play the promo for the uh, First Strike Invasion podcast so you know where to find that. Uh, and when we come back, we got a couple of things to talk about, so uh, we'll see you on the other side. Stop and listen! Stop and listen to me! Listen! Listen! Listen to me! They're not human! Everyone! They're here already! You're next! November 4th, 1988. Earth is invaded by an alien alliance composed of several species, including the Dominators, the Kuns, the Tanagarians, and the Durlins. And they want our superheroes. Even though Australia has been decimated, the United Nations response is unequivocal. Drop dead. First Strike, the Invasion podcast, takes you back to that moment in time and covers the entire Invasion DC Comics crossover. Issue by issue, tie-in by tie-in. Join Bass and Siskoid at fireandwaterpodcast.com or on iTunes. First Strike, the Invasion podcast, a proud member of the Fire and Water Podcast Network. Remember, Melbourne. All right, guys, we are back from break. Go check out First Strike, the Invasion podcast. Not right now. Finish this episode, then go do that. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, well, well, Mark, Mark, you you, you got the uh, the reins in terms of what we're talking about now. So uh, they, they were all your suggestions, buddy. So uh, what do you want to talk about first? Well, let's talk about the stuff that you and – we know there will be a few things to talk about with this topic because – once I showed it to you, even then, the initial exchange of ideas was relatively uh, interesting. And this was a few uh, I think it was, at this point, it's probably at least going to be two weeks ago, I think. Entertainment Weekly released their list. Of, it's unfortunate that they, they, phrased, they named it this way. They phrased it this way as the 50 most powerful superheroes when <laughs> their actual powers only counts one-tenth of the score. <laughs> But nonetheless, uh, we can argue what the list should have been called, but they, they created a 50 most powerful superheroes list based on uh, the categories of cultural impact, which actually was 20% of the score, and everything else was 10. So it was bankability, design, modern relevance, mythology, nemeses, originality, personality, and powers. And I'm not sure how we should dissect this list, but let's begin. Well, let's, let's start with right on top because we don't agree with number one to begin with. <laughs> Their number one is Wonder Woman, and she's mostly there because, ironically, because they gave her the highest score possible in cultural impact, and they also gave her the highest score possible in modern relevance, Not, neither of which I agree with. <laughs> well, before we get to that, now this may seem long, drawn out, analytical. You might want to fast forward through this part, but for you, for those of you playing along at home go who, don't necess- yes, who don't have it, necessarily in front of you. I'm not going to give you the scores. I'm just going to tell you who appears on this list. Uh, from top to bottom, so from number one to the to number 50, Wonder Woman, Spider-Man, Batman, Superman, Wolverine, Iron Man, Captain America, The Hulk, Black Panther, The Flash, Buffy, Deadpool, Thor, Jean, Jean Grey, Storm, Daredevil, Green Lantern, Batgirl slash Oracle, Professor X, Robin, Raphael, Black Widow, Supergirl, The Thing, Green Arrow, 
Doctor Strange, Captain Marvel, Silver Surfer, Luke Cage, Aquaman, Nick Fury, Hellboy, Human Torch, Rogue, Falcon, Nightcrawler, Ant-Man, Vision, Jessica Jones, Kitty Pride, Mr. Fantastic, Blade, Beast, Punisher, Cyclops, Invisible Woman, Shazam, Morpheus, Hawkeye, and Dr. Manhattan. Now, where it says Raphael, is that the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle Raphael? That's what I assumed. I, I don't have the physical issue in front of me anymore, but they showed, they probably would have showed a picture. Uh, I'm, I'm pretty sure that it's that it is Raphael. Okay. Um, uh, interesting that they put Batgirl slash Oracle. I mean, I know it's the same person, but I yeah. feel like they're still two different characters, kind of. Um, and uh, Buffy? Yeah, I know. And she's high in the list. Yeah, she's higher than Green Lantern. Um, for those of you playing along at home, Green Lantern's total score is 67.5. He's got a cultural impact score of 12 out of a possible 20. Eight, and the rest of these are out of a possible 10. 8.3, bankability. Design, 5.3. Modern relevance, 4.3. Mythology, 8.0. Nemesis, uh, or Nemesis, whatever, 7.0. Originality, 7.3. Personality, 6.5. And power 8.7. For the record, the day Mark showed this to me, there's a thing on this. I I, I printed it out. Um, There's a thing on here saying, thoughts, tweet us at EW using the hashtag superhero power list. I followed those instructions using the LanternCast Twitter account and tweeted at EW using this hashtag if they could reach out to us with exactly what they mean when they say all of these things. And it's EW and we're a podcast, so no surprise, but I did give them a chance to reach out to us and stand by their little list that they came up with here, but they didn't respond. So us bashing this and telling them they're idiots (laughs) is all on them. (laughs) Because we gave you a chance. <laughs> um, so, do, where are we, so we want to look at the Green Lantern? I assume we want to look at the Green Lantern part first? Yeah, let's look at the Green Lantern part first. So, cultural impact of 12.0 out of a possible 20. Uh, cultural impact. So, let's say... Um, okay, what, what would those be? That would be... Likely, they're probably... Ref- in, 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 I know I'm sort of biased because of the spinoff I do. But they're probably mostly referring to, would you think, Green Lantern, Green Arrow, and its historical impact on the comics industry and stuff like that? I think, in all honesty, I think it's mostly as in how well-known they are, how well-known the, how well known the name is, how well-known the character is, how, it's, how it just has kind of like made its way into society, whether it's kind of like become a, like a no-brainer part of society where you know who it is. Everybody, basically, if it... How, how everybody knows or who knows Green Lantern compared to who doesn't compared to the other characters. And see, there there you go, EW. We both have two different definitions of what you could have possibly meant by cultural impact. Now, so now, you fair, if you would have responded... The issue, might, <laughs> the issue might go might actually give you more of an explanation. I still have the issue floating around, so I will go look at it for next so to see if there is a firm definition so we can kind of like have a follow-up on this for next episode. But, mm-hmm. but they def- he's, he's definitely got a pretty low score here. 
Mm-hmm. I mean, he's got a for cultural impact. He's got a really low score. I mean, he's got a lower. I mean, he's got a lower score than friggin' Storm for God's sake. I mean, come on. I like Storm as a character. As cultural impact, she doesn't have a. There isn't much cultural impact from Storm. Blade has a huge, a bigger per, uh, uh, cultural impact score. Uh, Falcon has a point eight higher cultural score. Aquaman, Luke Cage. And that, we know why Luke Cage is higher because that's yeah, the drug of the moment. <laughs> Green Arrow is higher. The Thing is higher. Supergirl, Black Widow, Raphael, Robin, Professor X. I'm not going to go through all of yeah, them because yeah. the ones, but but just as a couple of couple examples. Um, so that's that's kind of like. The, so when I say cultural impact, I mean their historical impact, which maybe then in and of itself means. There are two different things. But for me, it would be Green Lantern, Green Arrow. For me, it would be Jon Stewart. Um, just the fact that, you know, like well, as Neil Adams himself has said, you know, we were calling him Green Lantern. We weren't going to go go and call him Black Green Lantern or anything like that. Like the same way we had Black Lightning and, you know, all these other different characters. Um, Green Lantern, uh, Jon Stewart was one of the first character, African-American superhero characters not to be named in such a way and had a big appearance and impact. So, um, John Stewart in comics and John Stewart's in multimedia, um, in terms of the, uh, Justice League animated series. Uh, I, like I said, the Green Lantern, Green Arrow series, um, cultural impact in terms of the, the, uh, the movie may have sucked, but Ryan Reynolds of all people played him. So you've got all of that, I guess. Um, I don't know. I'm trying to think of what else would fall under that umbrella by my, Crazy definition. No, I don't think, de- I don't think your definition. I don't think your definition is crazy, especially because I think there's a fine line <clears throat> between cultural impact and modern relevance too. But yeah. I think cultural imp- cultural impact mean to me cultural impact mean includes some of what you're saying, and but not just in the comic industry though, or among you know the fan base. It's also just among everybody overall. Like cultural impact means everybody knows. Who Wonder Woman is? Everybody knows who Spider Man is, Batman, Superman, and then and then and then you get down to okay, maybe like 70 percent of the people know this character, know what the character can do, other than the name. And I think that's I think that fact factors into it. But there's a but I think Green I mean Green Lantern I even I mean design yeah it's not the best design in the world but I mean is the Flash really you know one point but one point seven higher really is it? <laughs> I mean, I don't know. I mean, certainly modern relevance. I think, I think Green Lantern maybe because of how because of the so, being so tied to Hal and his origin, maybe you could say that's somewhat accurate. But I don't. I think that's way too low. Yeah. Four point three. My lord. Yeah. In terms of design, uh, in terms of design, I definitely disagree with that. Just because he may not have the most flashy costume. Ironically, I use that word. Uh, <laughs> he may not have the most flashy costume, but other than just Green Lantern fans, I have heard several comic fans remark on how innovative, sleek, um, uh, classic the both both Flash, Silver Age Flash, and Silver Age Green Lanterns costumes are. How instantaneously classic! those costumes are in comic books forgetting their modern interpretations you know like the way you have uh, Yvonne Hayes or or um, 
or Ivan uh, or Ivan Reed, not Ivan Hayes, uh, or Ethan Van Skyver doing the whole like you know bubble kind of design logo with the the Green Lantern symbol popping out energy wise, and like the the blacks are just black as midnight with no reflective like. Forgetting all the innovations over the years, or Kyle's with the gauntlet and the crab mask, or any of that type of stuff. Just solely taking their classic Silver Age interpretations. Those are touted by more than just Green Lantern fans as classic, just simple but innovative and striking designs. So I really disagree with that design score. To be fair, I think Green Lantern, based on the when you actually break down the chart, he actually is lower than he should be. But to be fair, when I was reading the magazine, I actually was surprised they had him as high as they did. I actually expected him to be lower. Uh, that's not saying everybody who's above him should be above him because coming I mean, come on, Buffy. Hmm. Even even if for cultural impact, I mean, it, it's like you got to put it in. It's like you you have to put it in perspective. Yes, and you don't want to be you don't want to do the opposite. You don't you don't want to do even though I think some of this list has some of the worst parts of these lists, like the things I always used to hate about when TV Guide always used to do their list of the best, and I think I meant, we mentioned this before, about the best episodes or the best shows of whatever. And, they, and you can almost take it to the bank that like 60 to 70% of the list is going to be made up of shows that were still on the air or stuff that just went off within the last five years. They would do that all the time, so there was no, no perspective on things. So I don't want to be hypocritical and say, oh, because Buffy – was big in her day, but she isn't now. That means she shouldn't. She shouldn't. Be, that shouldn't count. But I, I think. But I, I don't know how how much big impact Buffy really has long term. And so I think there's a difference between having having being super popular one period of time and still main, and still maintaining relevance, or, or just being like a flash in the pan where you were really hot for like five years and then and then really you kind of off the radar screen forever. You were even if the character existed before the hot streak. Uh, you you bring nothing before, nothing after, just really hot in between. It's but, but you see some of that on this chart. I mean, like you see some of the stuff like like we know, like we mentioned, Luke Cage, his cult, his cultural impact. Even though he should have, his cultural impact deserves to be higher because even back in the 70s, you know that that I think that I think that made makes sense. But you look at but 17.8 for Buffy for cultural impact. I don't know, Black Panther 18.3. Yes, because there's there's true there's true history to that so i guess that you know that makes a little bit of sense and to be fair uh i went a friend of mine uh, i've known her for years tara she for those of you who are friends on facebook she pops up in a lot of my news feed and pictures and stuff like that uh i went with her to target the other day and she brought her son grayson along because she bought a, an iron man costume for him but it was too big or something so she needed to get a smaller one uh and there i saw superman I saw Batman, I saw Cap, Iron Man, I didn't see any Thor, but the, one of the only other costumes I did see, Black Panther. I saw Black. I saw several Black Panther costumes for little kids, and they're right alongside Superman, Batman, Cap, and Iron Man. So, I don't know, maybe, uh, maybe that's just Marvel marketing. Or maybe it really does have already that big of an impact because let's face it, before Civil War, the movie nobody knew. Right, I mean that's, Black Panther that's was. why that's why there's a fine line and it crosses over between modern relevance and cultural impact because of yeah. Black Panther's long-term history as his 
being the you know as the black you know the black really superhero or the you know that that for Marvel that you know they're that that's that deserves long-lasting cultural impact. Modern relevance is seriously debatable, but that's probably up. That's certainly uh, hyped and, and moved up because of Civil War and his upcoming movie. That's why it's same way Wonder Woman. Wonder Woman does not deserve 20 as cultural impact. That's because that would imply she has had she has either better well known or is or has kind of kind of like uh, penetrated all aspects of of pop culture and society better or greater than Spider-Man, Batman, and Superman. And that and that's not true. Even her modern relevance, she's not more mo- in her I mean, what modern relevance does Wonder Woman actually have other than the fact that her solo movies coming out? You take away the you take away the cinematic aspects of Wonder Woman right now. I mean, we've, we've kind of talked about this before. Her as politically incorrect as it is to say, I mean, her role in the Trinity is greatly because of certain, to a certain extent, because of her power set, because of how strong she is, but also because she's a woman. If she was, doesn't mean that she really has always deserved to be there, based on her importance to the DC universe, based on her stories, based on uh, her power set necessarily, but based on how she impacts the DC universe as a whole. We've seen that. We, we, I know. We, at one point, we talked about it. Certainly, during the during the golden, the Jeff Johns golden age with with Hal, Hal, and the, and the stories reflected this. Hal was pretty much the unofficial third part of the Trinity, probably for at least three three or four years with Batman and Superman, because that he was a more relevant character, and the stories being told about him were impacting the DC universe in a much greater level. It doesn't mean he should be higher overall. I just I'm just saying that. But there's no way Wonder Woman has had greater cultural impact than Batman or Superman or even Spider-Man. And she certainly doesn't have more modern relevance. I mean, I can understand. I mean, Iron Man's modern relevance, yes, because of the movies, he's high. And his cultural impact because of the movies, high. If you just had to rely on the comic books, no, that wouldn't be the case. Just like his mythology. His mythology isn't that great. I mean, especially if you're basing it on tying into the comic books. I mean, his mythology is just is nothing... So I, some of this stuff is weird, just like Captain America's power is only 6.3, but Batman is 7. Batman has no superpowers at all. He is just like the pinnacle of, you know, of human ability if you, if you hone yourself. But Cap, has, Cap is like honed, and he's got super strength. And, you know, so he should be more – physically, he's more powerful than Batman. It may be close yeah. because of how skilled and how well-trained Batman is and how close to normal the, – the, the, the actual – how far you can push the human body without it being chemically or artificially enhanced, but still, I mean, it's like um, bankability at an eight point three. I kind of, I kind of agree with that. Uh, yeah, it's, I, that's it's, pretty, it's, that's it's, pretty it's, high, actually. Yeah, yeah, that's rest. yeah, that's 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 pretty high. I think they see the the value of a sci-fi mythology. I think they see maybe uh, the the history that Green Lantern has played in the larger DC universe. Period. Uh, there, so I kind of agree with an eight point three. I wouldn't. I'm, I'm not so naive as to say, no, Green Lantern should be ten for that. Um, they they put his mythology at an eight point oh. Again, I kind of agree with that. That's pretty high. His mythology is pretty layered uh, in depth. They put his uh, nemesis at seven. Now this is where I have a problem. They put his nemesis, Nemesis, at seven, and they put Wonder Woman 
who's at the very top of this list at a seven as well. Yeah, her, her name is come on. Cheetah does not equal Sinestro. If we're just picking one villain, one of the villains that you immediately associate with a character, it's going to be Green Lantern versus Sinestro and Wonder Woman versus Cheetah. Now, why do I pick Cheetah? Because DC picks Cheetah. <laughs> Fucking every time there's an animated feature, Cheetah is the one going up against Wonder Woman. So they clearly put her as the main villain for Wonder Woman. There is no way you can tell me that Cheetah equals Sinestro. No freaking way. Now, if we were to take it even further, now this is where I'm not going to claim a solid standing ground on my argument because I don't read Wonder Woman comics that much. I don't know a whole hell of a lot about her backstory and history, but to my knowledge... She really only has like two or three main villains there uh, in ter- terms of her rogues gallery. And to me, those two are Cheetah and Ares. That's about it for me in terms of what I think, what I know. Now, there's no way, even if there's a couple others out there, there's no way they go up and stand toe-to-toe with people like... Now, they may not be as powerful as powerful as Wonder Woman's villains. But in terms of varied villains, you just take the Silver Age, the Shark, Sonar, Black Hand, uh, Star Sapphire, when she was actually a villain and not kind of a hero. You've got Sinestro. You've got the Quardians. You've got Krona. You've got, I mean, there's so many different characters out there. Um, What was the dude? The man in the Iron Lung or whatever the hell his name was? Uh, from way, way back in the beginning. I can't remember how, what the hell it was. But there's no way that those rogues galleries compare. Like, no way. No, no. Um, so, whatever. Now, Wonder Woman fans out there, or at least people who know more about Wonder Woman than I do, feel free to write in or leave voicemails, tell me I'm wrong, and give me more information on Wonder Woman's rogues gallery and history. Because clearly I'm ignorant on that fact. And if if you have more information to me, I am glad to hear it and learn more about DC Comics. <laughs> so let me know. Um, but And she should, she should be in the top... I would say, based on who's on this list, she should be in the top five. But she shouldn't be number one. No, no, no. They put Batman's at a solid 10, which I get. They put The Flash at 8.7, which I don't necessarily... I think it should be even higher than that, because his rogues gallery is almost as classic as uh, and as varied as Spider-Man's, which would they put at, oh my god, a, a, a 9.7. So that I, makes... That, yeah, so I, I think on the Nemesis scale, getting putting Batman and Spider-Man as the top two makes sense. I think that's fair. I think that's... that. I think That's definitely fair. Look at the Hulk, though. They screwed the Hulk. The Hulk only got a 5.3 on his nemesis, and the Hulk has some cool villains. Yeah, Abomination, the leader, yeah, a bunch uh, of stuff. Tyrannus, there's a lot of guys. Yeah. So there's no way. I mean, I bet you that's because of, that's just people who unfortunately don't really know what they're talking about. Um, now, they put his Green Lantern's originality at a 7.3, which I think is low. However... Are they just talking Silver Age, or are they talking see, when I they talk Green talking, Lantern? Are they talking the whole mythos, including think, Golden Age? I don't think so. I think it's just I think they're talking how, just like I think they're just talking Barry for the Flash. 
So, so when they say originality, they're excluding the golden age. So they 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 knock it down a score because he's just a reinvention of a golden age character. I I only think they're looking at the kind of the modern the current versions of the characters. So I think it's the Green Lantern as in the Green Lantern core because they do because they don't they mention more than just Hal, but they basically are looking at the core. So I don't know if they mention Alan. I don't think they do. And I'm pretty sure I'm pretty sure they're just looking at Barry. And based on right now, it would make sense they would look at Barry first first and foremost. Now I haven't read it yet. I want to read it, and I think I have it downloaded somewhere. Uh, what is the um the thing that supposedly, um, um, oh God, Martin O'Dell based uh, Green Lantern off of, other than his trip home and everything, it was the, what was the 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 lights? Uh, God damn it! What was it called? There was some, you know what I'm talking about? There's some I do, play but or I'm something. I drawn a blank too. I do, I do kind of remember that too. Yeah, there's some. Um, oh, damn it! I'm gonna I kick. Someone's gonna write in. It's gonna. I'm gonna kick myself in the head. Uh, It'll be Jackie. Yeah, Jackie. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, Jackie. We've interviewed you a bunch of times and talked all the time, but you still – I can't remember it for the life of me. There's some old play like the the, the rings or the light or – dang it. Um, Anyways, it was some sort of – the same kind of concept where these bearers of power – out in the universe or something like that. It's it's some craziness, but uh, I can see. It. I mean, if they're excluding Golden Age, uh, if they're taking into the account the entire core and how Hal is not original within the core, if they're taking into account that origin story I just told you about in terms of uh, <laughs> not giving you a complete answer on what the name of that freaking play or story was, um, then I kind of see it. I mean, I still still think a seven point three is a relatively high score. But I think I I'm per, maybe I'm just biased, but I think it should be higher. So now let's uh, now look, look now let's look at Thor for a second because I think they're all I mean they're all over the map on Thor. Thor's bankability is not a nine point seven. There's nothing in Thor's either his comic books or more importantly his the movies so far which would indicate Thor is a nine point seven on bankability because his movies have done the worst so far if you look at the first two than than any of the other. Solo Avengers movies, the first two, you know, the individual movies, their first two in their series. Thor, I mean, I think Ragnarok will do well because it's also going to have the Hulk in it. <laughs> but I, but Thor's bankability, it, it shouldn't be an, it shouldn't be a nine point seven. Um, it, mythology, you have to give due at eight point, at least it's got to be at least an eight point seven because he's actually based on mythology. <laughs> mm-hmm. But uh, same with Wonder Woman. Yes. Yes, I think that's true. Uh, I mean, but she, but she's not directly lifted from mythology. It's just her background is based the Amazon. Well, you know, I mean, in terms of the Amazonians, yes. and, and, and in terms of what you actually know, in terms of reading, uh, I don't know if they appeared in Odysseus or Homer, uh, Odysseus or Homer, or anything like, uh, or other, or the, or the Odyssey, or any of that stuff. Um, but as an individually named character, yeah, they, they, yeah, they were. They, I don't think they ever really gave names to any of the Amazons. Really, it was just more of just their race. So their 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 culture right. uh, was generally a, referred to. But if she's a nine, and Thor should be a nine because Thor is based purely as a character, is a literally a character lifted out of mythology. Yeah, uh, his I think his nemesis his nemesis probably should be a little higher than six three. It's not horrible. It's not completely off. Um, 
personality, I'd give him a higher too, because Thor personal. I mean, he he he's not the most thrilling guy, but but he has a unique personality. So I I think. He and he does he does uh, in, at least in the comics and sometimes maybe even in the movies he does play sort of the uh, dumb brute. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, so. Now they give they for that score they give Green Lantern a six point five in terms of personality. Now if you're right and they're referring just to Hal, unfortunately I can kind of agree with that maybe because let's face it even Green Lantern fans do see Hal as sort of a one trick pony in terms of personality. Uh, they don't see him as quite as nuanced or varied as. Kyle or John or sometimes even Guy. So Guy, Guy, let's be fair. If they were doing individual Green Lanterns, Guy would probably high score highly on the personality score. Doesn't mean doesn't mean he'd want to spend time with them, but 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 he would have but his but he, he would have a unique personality, so it would, it would rank pretty high. Unless I turned you off enough and you gave and you gave him. I mean, look at I my mean, guy. Rob, I mean, I don't know. Even Robin's personality is a six, whichever Robin that is. But still, yeah. Um, they put his power at an 8.7, which is a relatively high score, but I think way too low. Because, um, yeah, again, we're, we're, we're pretty biased here. We are running a Green Lantern podcast. But uh, to me, now, again, like I see power in terms of uh, other characters, too, like The Flash. I've always seen The Flash as one of the most powerful beings in the DC universe, period. Not just in terms of how fast he is, but the fact that he can go back in time and the things he can do with his speed, you know, phasing through material or drifting into other dimensions and realities or going back in time or whatever it is he can do, turning his legs to fly into the upper atmosphere, you know, so on and so forth. Like there are so many different things you can do with somebody who's just infinite has infinite speed potential. Well, Green Lantern has infinite power potential, depending on who's wearing the ring and their particular will and knowledge of use of that ring. So putting Green Lantern and Flash on the same power level kind of makes sense to me in terms of their scores, but I don't think they're 8.7s. They should be in the the 9s or the mid-9s at the very least. But yeah, I mean, there's... The power, the power ranking is pretty inconsistent across the board because, yeah. because I mean, there's no logic to it. I mean, Wonder Woman's an 8.3, but Superman's a 9.7. Should Superman? First of all, you can make a case Superman. You can make a case if Superman's not a 10, then Doctor Manhattan should be a 10. But even Doctor Manhattan only gets a 9.7, which means if you're if you're only giving out 9.7, Wonder Woman should be below Superman because she doesn't have all his abilities, but she should be in the nines probably. She shouldn't have the same power score as Spider Man. Mm-hmm. I mean, Spider-Man's great, but in the, but when you match him up with some of the more, you know, he's not he's not going to do well. He's not going to do well against you know the more amped up superhero on a power scale. And the Hulk is 8.0. I know that's the thing. The Hulk, yes, the Hulk is a one-trick pony because he's just raw strength. But still, the Hulk should be higher, even though he's only got you know his one ability. That one ability is really, really, really impressive. Uh, I mean, so who's got nine? So it's Doctor Manhattan at a nine point seven, um, along with Superman. Jean Grey at a nine point and Superman at a nine point seven. So to according to this list, Superman, Jean Grey, and Doctor Manhattan are the most powerful characters ever. 
Well, in their list, yes. In their list, yes. Um. So it's, and let's be honest. Let's again, let's be honest. You should not, on the sliding scale of ultimate power, you shouldn't. Doctor Manhattan and Superman shouldn't be on the same scale. Doctor Manhattan should be higher. Uh, but if you want, but again, but still, I mean, I don't, I don't know. I think. Uh, it's kind of hard to give Wonder Woman owning an 8.3 and then have, I don't know. I mean, see, on that level, I think that's why I think Green Lantern did okay because of his power set. I mean, Green Lantern, I mean, technically, based on this, Green Lantern, they have him ranked ahead of the Hulk. They have him ranked ahead of Wonder Woman and Spider-Man. I mean, he should be ahead of Spider-Man. But, I mean, they have him But still, I mean, that's that's kind of, they have, they have him ahead of Doctor Strange. They have Green Lantern ahead of Doctor Strange. Yeah, and speaking of to the, the all over the map on the powers, Hawkeye power three point seven. Green Arrow power four point seven. What is it? Just his billions of dollars that make him different in terms of his power? The maybe. trick arrows? Don't they both have trick arrows? They probably think he maybe he's a better fighter. Maybe hand hand to hand level. Maybe they think he's superior. Clint is a trained <laughs> a trained I'm, shield I'm agent. Just, I'm just. <laughs> Spitballing here. Look at the vision. The vision did especially poor in almost everything, except for power. Except for power. I mean, he got an eight on power scale. But that's another thing. Look at Green Lantern. They say he's more powerful than the Vision. I think that's debatable. But I mean, uh, but still, uh, I don't know. I think. I mean, some of this is just like. I mean, let's be honest. Look at the Human Torch. They gave him a seven, right? They gave him a seven for his for his nemesis. Mm-hmm. What the hell is the Human Torch's nemesis on his own? Well, let's see. Let's see. Uh, Invisible Woman's nemesis score. Where do they put her? Invisible Woman, uh, 6.3. So they're not going based off of just uh, a team. The team. So Invisible Woman is a 6.3. Mr. Fantastic is a 7.3. And The Thing is a 6.7. So who the fuck? Right. I mean, their their nemesis is or their nemeses should all be the same. For the most part, I mean, you can give you could bump reads up a little bit because of Doctor Doom. See, Doctor Doom is more of a direct, even though he's an you know he is more the opposite of Reed, even though he does oppose the team. But he and Reed are di- he is the Sinestro to 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 Reed's how. So you could see that more. But honestly, I mean, I like the Human Torch as a character. The Human Torch has never been known to, for for his own individual villains. I mean, come on. So, I mean, that's that's that's, ridi- that's ridiculous right there. It's, uh, I mean, I don't know. No. I don't know. I, it's an interesting list. I mean, look at the Punisher. I would, I would say the, I would say the Punisher should be higher on both. Where's, where's his mother? He should be higher on... Look at his modern relevance is really low. You would think the Punisher would be higher on modern relevance and even on cultural impact based on if you're looking at this... At least if you're looking at the snapshot in time of when they were really big, if you want to... And even now, modern relevance because of Daredevil, because of the show that he's getting. But if you come by... But Punisher was really, really big for a while, so you would think on the cultural impact score, if you, you, know, if you had, were using perspective on this... He'd be a little higher up on the list. Basically, yeah. basically, in a lot of ways, you, your Deadpool was was like the Punisher, like you know, 10, 15 years ago, <laughs> or maybe 20 years ago now. But that's kind of that's kind of kind of like what Wolverine and the Wolverine and the Punisher were like in the in the 90s. That's kind of what Deadpool has kind of become. Yeah, I just think there may be some merit to this list, but 
giving it a more critical eye, um, just in terms of now we don't have the apps. Mark, you said you you had the actual. Uh, I do have magazine. the actual issue, and I held on to it, so I'm going to go back and look. And so okay, so we'll, we'll we'll give an update on this, guys. But in terms of just taking this at face value, now let's 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 be honest. What's going to be more in the public eye? This snapshot list that I have a printout of, or the entire article? If they create this list and intend it to stand on its own, separate from the article, I'm telling you... <laughs> That's why you printed it out, wasn't it, Chad? <laughs> this list is bunk. Like it's, it, it, like It's like they have zero people on the staff that know anything about comic books at all. Like, for real? <laughs> Are we, if we're just taking... These characters, even solely as their media presence in multimedia, whether it be just TV or movies or games or all of the above, this list is still bunk. So I don't know the point of it. And wouldn't it also have made sense if you were going to if you were going to uh, basically double tier the cultural impact and make that twenty percent? Then shouldn't the, their raw powers at least been twenty percent too? Yeah, I mean, see? Shouldn't, shouldn't at least forty percent of it have been co- cultural impact and powers if you were going to do that? Uh, I mean, because des- is design really as important as powers ultimately? I mean, it's, it's part of it, but is it really as important as powers? So, I mean, I think you could make the you could probably make the case that you could ad- some of these things may have even been should have been like a five percent of the score or not. Uh, yeah, I think it's it's an it's interesting. I I also found I also found it really odd that when they in the magazine they do the article in the order they show you the list so you, they don't do so it wasn't the normal countdown counting up counting down to number one they start with number one so it was like hmm. so so it was odd it's like usually you usually you do the opposite you're going to start with number 50 and work your way to number one because that kind of builds builds suspense and people always think trying to find where their character is once you know who the first person is right off the list it kind of kind of automatically starts killing interest but it's interesting. Yeah, I'll get the magazine. I'll, I'll go back over it. Maybe I'll even scan it in and uh, send and and send you the PDF of it so we can look at it again and t- touch base on it for a few minutes. But I thought it, we thought it was worth bringing up just because obviously it's uh, whenever you do lists like this, no one's ever going to agree. So it's like politics. So you're always going to have differing opinions on different things. But because it's such a varied list and and there seems to be a, a lot of discrepancies even in how they you know how they do things. I mean. Uh, so it does kind of seem. Now, all of our listeners are presumably Green Lantern fans, maybe not as big as you or I, uh, but I, I feel like there are a lot of people out there who are also fans, maybe even bigger fans of some of some of these other characters that appear on this list. But I still feel that even if the the people who are less of fans of Green Lantern than us look at this list, you're not going to agree with it either. <laughs> so. I mean, I know that when, like you said, when people do things like these, it generates conversation and stuff like that. But at the same time, I don't think anybody who's a comic fan, period, agrees with this list. Regardless of which of these characters you're, you're, uh, is, is your particular favorite. Yeah. Like, I mean, any, anybody who's a Wonder Woman fan, like, that's their favorite character. If you really were to take an unbiased look at this and just try and knock and just look at the scores and compare them to some of the other characters, you're going to find something wrong with this list. I mean, look at Batgirl. I mean, Batgirl's modern rel- I mean, slash. Origin. I already crumpled it up. 
Her Modern Relevance <laughs> is really a nine. I don't, I don't, I don't see where you get that from. Uh, and Professor X, his powers are only seven point three. Yeah. Professor X should be way up on that list. Hmm. Um, so I mean, it doesn't, it doesn't make a lot of sense. Uh, and why is, I mean, honestly, and why is Black Widow even on this list? Because of Scarlett Johansson. <laughs> To be fair, I mean, she... And that's why I'm saying, like, even if you're only taking these characters in the context of their multimedia presence, which that's what I'm thinking they might be doing because of the fact that it... Uh, just because of the characters that are on it, <laughs> that, uh, I don't know, just, it's just weird. It, it, it is just weird. It, it's, a, it's a weird list. Um... And Raphael, why Raph? Why Raph out of the other turtles? Why not just put TMNT? Like... I know, I know that like, you know, Mister Mirror, uh, Mister Fantastic, Invisible Woman, Human Torch, and the Thing are all listed individually, but and and they maybe should be in terms of powers and stuff like that. But in terms of just the general teams and multimedia, TMNT, they're all pretty much the same guy. <laughs> like I know they have different personalities, and I know they have different weapons and training and stuff like that, but. Power-wise, origin-wise, mythology-wise, modern relevance-wise, blah, 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 blah. They're all the same dude. <laughs> as much as I love, as a pivotal cornerstone of my childhood, as TMNT is, they're all the same dude. <laughs> okay? <laughs> so, I just... Whatever. <laughs> and of all people, Wrath? <laughs> yeah. It's, it's, a, it's an odd list. Um... I say we skip the trailer talk. Um, yeah, we got a skip, little long. Yeah, let's skip the trailer talk. Let's skip the uh, the ring thing till next time. The one thing I will mention, because have you seen the this this is our only spoiler part of the show, which will last for like not even probably like a minute based on the fact that we're tired. But but spoiler for Game of Thrones, this could be a, this could be spoiler spoilerific if you haven't been paying attention. Have you, Chad, seen the pictures from the set yet? Oh, I saw the video. Oh, the video of, of uh, John? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you, have you seen the other pictures, though, with the other characters that he was interacting with? No. I've only seen seen, seen the video of him and Daenerys. Oh, and Daenerys. Well, I didn't see the video for that. I just saw the pictures. I thought you were talking about Theon, because I saw that today. Nope. They, they had a picture of him and him and his not-too-friendly first meeting with Theon. But basically, the, pic, the there are pictures out there, and based on things that were already kind of leaked before the pictures came out that I guess from a plot point of view it becomes that Daener- that again spoilers that it looks like so Daenerys is supposed to go back to Dragonstone which of course was originally Targaryen to Targaryen I guess not it's their fortress pretty much same place where Stannis ended up getting after you know Robert became king but that was originally the stronghold of the Targaryens so Daenerys goes back to reclaim that and at some point obviously she calls out for a meeting of the leaders of Westeros and John and Ser Davos go to meet and of course so John interacts with Tyrion he interacts with Theon but more importantly he interacts with with Daenerys which probably means logically that they will form the alliance we suspect that they were going to form anyway since they have the most in common anyway regardless of go ahead and it's not really a spoiler. I mean, guys, we're, we're encroaching on the last several episodes of the season, uh, of the series, period. Uh, so, I mean, those we knew those characters were going to meet up at some point. <laughs> yes. Regard- and, and it doesn't appear, and probably, 
probably they don't at this point, especially if it happens early in the season, neither one is going to know the real relevance of them meeting and the fact that they're they're actually related. <laughs> but she's technically his aunt, right? That would be correct. Yeah. Yes, yes, because her her brother is his father. Uh, so it would appear they would form an, they would form some an alliance or at least begin, begin the early discussions to form an alliance because obviously they both hate the Lannisters and they want them gone. And, and Davos and Jon kind of know they need the, the, what, the dragon glass or whatever from, to be able to fight the White Walkers. So there's a lot of commonality in there. So you would, you would kind of suspect that all the stuff with the Lannisters will be resolved this season. Just so the yeah, I feel, and okay. with the dragons showing up in Westeros, I feel like the White Walkers are no longer an issue. If Dragon Glass kills them, dragons will kill them. Yeah, <laughs> which is kind of funny. I'll mention this once we get off because I don't want to. But this. but 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 they do have just based on what we've seen so far, there are some mystical powers to the the, the White Walkers. So yes, maybe yes. maybe don't count them out just yet. Right. And- that's why there's something I'll mention to you once we're done, because I don't want to put that out there. Because even though that would be more of a spoiler, but it's unproven, so I guess it's more speculation. But there, there was a, there was a kind of a, a unofficial, and again, whether it's true or not, we won't know to the to the season starts. Kind of like a synopsis of what was going to happen in season seven and where you were going to end up and things that were going to happen. But the, but it would make sense that you would. My feeling would would has always been that yeah, it's. This season, season seven, we'll get rid of the whole land, the whole uh, Cersei bullshit, and get that resolved with. And so you have the final handful of episodes, which if there, if there are going to be seven in episode in season seven, that means we'll only get six, probably in in season eight, and then that'll all be dealt with dealing with the White Walkers and figuring out at the end of the day who's going to be alive to be sitting on the Iron Throne. <laughs> Which probably will just be between Daenerys and John, but the point is, and probably John, if I had to speculate at the end of the day, I think John would be the last one standing. But for or John will be the heir to the throne if Daenerys still is alive anyway, because she apparently can't have kids, unless some kind of weird incest thing will make that possible, which I still don't want to happen between those two characters. I <laughs> uh, I don't I I just think that I don't think that's like I said in our Game of Thrones wrap-up episode for last season, I don't think that's the happy ending that <laughs> that we 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 really want to get is that the aunt the aunt and the, the aunt and the nephew marry and walk off into the sunset together. I don't really think as nice as those characters are and as cool as they are, I still don't really think that that's still kind of kind of like a skeevy on some level. All right. Yeah, I think that, I think that'll be it. And we'll, some of the other little stuff we were going to talk about, we'll throw in at the end of the Hal episode, Hal and the Core episode. All right, guys, that's going to do it for this episode. Mark, where can people find us across the net? Email us at lanterncast.com or website lanterncast.com. Check out our latest episode posts, Dark Star reviews, Ring Cyclopedia episodes, blogs. You name it, we have it. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Use hashtag GLCast to locate us on any of those. We're on iTunes and Stitcher, so wherever you listen to us, please leave us a positive review. And last but not least, 708 Lantern, voicemail, leave us a message and let us know what you think and what you want to hear for upcoming episodes. All right, guys, thanks for listening. We'll talk to you later. Good night, everybody. Good night.